What's up everyone? This is Pastor Sam. And this is Danny. And together we're exploring the book of Ephesians. Well, the letter of Ephesians. We are in chapter 5, but uh, if you join us for the first time, take an opportunity and go and listen to the other chapters that we've already explored. Um, Ephesians, uh, more than any other epistle, demonstrates how important and how, this, how central the church is to God's plan and his purpose for mankind, you and I. The thing to remember about Ephesians as we've been studying is that this letter focuses on the importance of the church and God's plan. And in, and in this letter, Paul says four things about the church. And I just want to recap that real quickly. Is that creation, mm-hmm. you and I, me, you, and those listening, we are a blessing. And blessing the church was the objective that God had from the very beginning of time. I think I think it goes back to yeah. Abraham, right? Yeah, exactly. Blessings, yeah. Sorry, I cut you there. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Chapter twelve, Genesis chapter twelve. Genesis chapter twelve. Yes. The second thing he says is true living. True living can only be experienced as a member of the body of Christ. And this is not exclusive in that you can't get it. It's an invitation to all. But from your first sermon, you said we must be in Christ. The less we are like Christ, the less human we become. Mm-hmm. Right, the farther away from Christ you are, the less human you become. Your true humanity can only be felt the closest that you get to Jesus. So, like the whole point of true living, that's heaven. Section. Heaven, you become true human in heaven. That's mm-hmm. the true version of who you're supposed to be. Yes, it's gonna come out of heaven, but that doesn't mean that you can progress on that true humanity of ours uh, by being in, in Jesus. That's the only way you're gonna. If you if you have any chance to become to be human, gotta be in Christ. You gotta be in Christ. Yep. And the third the third thing that this this letter teaches us is that the church is the light. We've all heard about that. We're gonna shine our lights, but the church is truly the light when it comes to society. We are to set the standard for what's right, mm-hmm. what's how to treat one another, mm-hmm. how to live our life, and mm-hmm. through that we can reveal Christ to the world. We we staff we're. Uh... <laughs> Reading Revelation together. Yeah. Right? We, we're reading Revelation together. One of the questions I asked the staff, because the first chapter, the first and second chapter of, of um, Revelation, the vision that John has, God said, like you said, like, write it to the church. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the question I asked, why the church? Why not everybody? Why the church? Well, because the church is the light to the, the world. Light. We were, uh, God will shine Whatever message, it's like, I use this analogy once somebody didn't like it. Uh, the church is like the Batman uh, sign. The Batman logo? Yeah, the Batman when, logo. <laughs> in the sky? Shine in the sky in the middle of the night in the dark and showing showing everybody what they need to see, which is Jesus. Yeah. And then the third and the fourth and final is that in the end, as you said, because the church is the light, the church will arise victorious over every physical and spiritual entity, including death. Mm. And, and those are the four kind of themes and the four things that, in Ephesians that Paul is kind of getting to. So with that in mind, as we get ready to jump into chapter 5, mm-hmm. we're going to be examining the blessing that, that Paul talks about here. And uh, we've talked about this being uh, three sections, the blessing of the church, the universality of the church, and the obligation of the church. And we're in the section of passage where Paul is talking about righteousness, right? He's really calling for a higher quality of life. Mm-hmm. So the first, the first fourteen verses of chapter, chapter five really, really digs into that. So as we kind of jump into verse one, 
What are your thoughts? Uh, because in this chapter, in chapter 5, Paul targets the, Christian, the Christian's personal conduct and how this conduct must rise above an unbeliever conduct. Paul is harsh in chapter 5. <laughs> it's a he, tough chapter to read, for sure. It's a tough chapter. I mean, you... There are some some chapters in the Bible that ticks people, that makes them mad. I think one of them are this one because Paul is so very, very straightforward uh, with his language here. Uh, he he really he's he's really talking about developing this new lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. And our new identity in Christ demands that we renounce some practices of the past and develop a new lifestyle that are consistent. With who we are in Christ, who we are in Jesus, and so in this passage, Paul characterized uh, Christ living as light and and, yeah. and and contrast that with darkness. Right? Isn't that what he's trying to do here? He uses yeah. this dualistic imagery between dark and 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 light. And so he, Paul, characterized believers as light. So it's what we were talking about the church. He uses the same image uh, elsewhere to describe that our identity is of a light. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14. It talks about what do righteousness and weakness have in common? What does light and, and darkness have in common? So he's very harsh here. Like, yeah. you, you can't be doing... I mean, to be honest, right? Uh, and you, you're hearing the sermon on the chapter 4. On uh, the chapter 4, I will... In that sermon, I will focus on verses 14 and on. And on this section, chapter 4, verses 14 to the tags along with chapter 5, Paul is really uh, giving a series of moral exaltation to the people. It's like, so he starts this spanking back on chapter 4. Mm -hmm. You can't be a Christian and, and, and do some of these things. You remember probably my story, my dad telling this story about one day I came all drugged up home. And I had to leave, my dad lived for church at 7.45, I believe it was, growing up. And I had to, I, I came home from the party, was still high, drunk. Took a shot, got on the car, got to the church, don't even remember, got to the church. Got there, got inside, the drummer couldn't, didn't show up to play drum that Sunday. The, the worship pastor was like, Sam, can you jump in? <laughs> and I was like, dude, I'm all bent up out of shape. He's like, dude, I need someone to play, play, play drum, can you play the drum? And I was like, sure. I went there, played the drum, and my dad and his servant was like, it can be like Sam. One oh. foot in the church. <laughs> yeah, I remember you telling us. And one foot in the world. <laughs> he was partying and all night last night, using drugs, and is all drunk, probably still drunk and drugged, drugged here, and mm -hmm. playing the worship. You can't do that. Yeah. Right? I, harsh, but true. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, I, I said this before, I have heard it, you have heard in the sermon. God, God is not necessarily interested uh, into satisfying what you want to hear, but mm -hmm. in what you need to hear. And through Paul here, he's really straightforward on what we need to hear. And the first thing he says there is, therefore, be imitators of God. Yeah. That's, I mean, what else do you need? Well, I, I mean, I think one of the things I, I like in this section here, this title in my, in my Bible, Walk in Love, right? He talks about, he, fo he he brings all this down. He says that if you love, the way you treat others with mercy, grace, and how you talk to them, then you're walking like Christ. And that's what you're kind of leading into, imitators of Christ, right? We're, 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 we're a mini Christ. We talked about that, um, that quote last week. 
And if Christ's life was like a pleasing sacrifice to God, then our imitation of him in our own life will also be similar. The Bible talks about it as a sweet offering to God, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, so in these verses, Paul shows how very how different the conduct of a Christian is to an unbeliever. And he and he does that in using, as we as you talked about mm -hmm. at the top of this, light and dark. Light and darkness. There should there should not be an even a suggestion that improper things are happening among you. And then he goes to list what those things are, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> he, he's he's very specific. He's he's saying, hey, we're and because we're what in, in verse uh, three, he three, says three, that four, yeah. we're, he said use the word saints, mm -hmm. right? We're saints. What what is what is the definition of saint? Is to be set apart, right? Yeah, we're set apart for something different. We're not to look like everyone else. And that's why we have to imitate Christ. Well, and, and so he's harsh, but I think we need to soft here. I don't know if soft is the right word. We need to just be realistic here. What, yeah. uh, what Paul is trying to say is that we can talk more into the harsh. I think we need to bring some Greek here now in a second. But mm -hmm. believers must make a, like this, this um, very um, concentrated effort. That's that's what I want to do. Concentrated effort mm -hmm. to eliminate every form of the things that he's listing here: sexual immorality, covenants, and all this. Stuff. Like he yeah. said, like listen, group joking, like <laughs> he, he, fitness. Like you have to make this concentrated effort to eliminate these things from your life, from you know, to develop a proper attitude towards all these topics, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so. There must be an elimination, but I, that, what I think he really trying to get is that there must be a. I want to use the word concentrated effort. Do you know, yeah. like when you buy like those concentrated juice, yeah, that you gotta water down. Like he's like, there's no water down here. Yeah. No, your effort has to be a hundred percent juice, a hundred percent grape, right? It can't be like half grape and half water. No, it has to be concentrated. Like this effort has to be a hundred percent. Uh, no me mediocrity here and and putting uh, and creating an effort to eliminate some of these things that's going on. So we are no longer regarded as people of 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 dark. We are regarded as people of light. Um, our entire identity has changed as we have been talking for a while here. And and I think we were talking earlier here the different topic. I think the idea of identity. I think one of the things that is so hard for us to read chapter five. Is because we're still holding on to the identity. And you were talking to me because I was asking you a question. Hey, how living in the U.S. as a foreigner has changed your identity as an island man, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, someone who grew up in the island in Trinidad, Tobago, and even me because I, I struggle with that, right? Yeah. To uh, my identity as a Brazilian, I, I in my heart, I, I know that I wasn't born here and that uh, I live like uh, that. I have some Brazilian tendencies. But living in America, in America, as a Brazilian, this just doesn't fly. It doesn't work. Yeah, you... I can't do that. An example, like in Brazil, a stop sign, it is, it is not a stop. It is a ill. You just look at. If nobody's coming, you just go through it. You don't <laughs> stop. There is no stopping in Brazil. A stop sign. Yeah. You know, in America, if there is a stop sign, what do you do? Some parts of America it works the same way too. <laughs> <laughs> Must be all the Brazilians are. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I live as a Brazilian in America. 
until I get a ticket, right? So like, right? In Brazil, at night, after 7 p.m., you don't stop at a stoplight. You can go through, you gotta look, or you, gotta, you, can, you, you don't have to come to a complete stop. You can go through it. If nobody's coming, just go through it, hmm. right? There, there is reason because of, there is reason yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah. But you don't do that. So uh, in Brazil, you can't turn to the right, even on the right, in the right, in, in the right hand, like in America, you can. So it is important to understand identity because identity it doesn't allow you to behave the way you you thought possible because that's not who you are. That's not mm -hmm. your condition. That's not where your place. So when you are placed in Christ, let's make analogy. Christ is the U.S. And then uh, Brazil is my old self. So if, if I'm in Christ, as I'm in the U.S., like when I see a stop sign in Brazil, I used to go through it, no problem. Your tendency it, is to go through. It's to go through. Yeah. But in Christ, it says, you stop. Yeah. You count to three. You come to a complete stop. Count to three, and then move through it. Yeah. I think part of our earlier conversation I was sharing is that wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. It's that wrestling with the old self and, and the new self. Mm -hmm. Because what do we know easily? It's the old self. The old that's, self. that's the familiarity. We're familiar with that. But we're going into something new. And as with anything, if it's a job or whatever, we kind of like, I can't do this. And a lot of us Christians, mm -hmm. they, they wrestle that wrestle between the, the mind like, ooh, I don't know if I can do this. But that's where that's what that's what Paul continues to talk about. He gives us some things to be filled with the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Being filled with the Spirit and having the Spirit is two different things. Yes. Right. Yeah. So and and as we lean into that new identity, imitating Christ and walking like Christ, we have to lean into the unknown a little bit, and trust that the Spirit is guiding there and He's there to help us. That's what that's what Jesus told the apostles, right? He says, "I have to go and I will send someone to help," because mm -hmm. a lot of things that they had and they wrote was wasn't what Jesus taught them was revealed to them through the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit because they just they were just so busy trying to understand what he doing oh, is he gonna die or he died he came back he's leaving us but you know that's we, we, we did a whole session on on Mark and we talked about the disciples uh, sure uh, but um, I think that's kind of what you're talking about right like you have to leave that old self leave Brazil be American mm -hmm. right because that's who you are now this is your new identity, that's new identity. we can't hold on to both it's very easy to hold on to both because you want to have that that straddling of like one foot here, one foot there. You want right? to play both, you yeah. want to play both both courts, and you yeah, just you can't. can't. It's like you know, you know, I, I, you know, that I went through a little bit of identity crisis when I had, I, I, uh, in a sense, like I, uh, when I became American citizen, citizen, when I gave my life to yeah, the United yeah. States of America, right? Yeah. Like when I gave my life and I went through. Uh, you know the testing and the ceremony, and I had to renounce my, I had to renounce my old citizenship and pick up on this new citizenship, which identity, right? So identity crisis. Like now, uh, you're no longer. Uh, so so then, but then there's that transition time, and I think a lot of Christians don't That's don't, don't give time. Like you know, I, I I'm in this transition time for 20 years in a sense, yeah. right? I speak English, but do I really? Uh, right, uh, you know, but you go back home, like you have heard me say this. I went back home when mom passed away, and I was in a shopping mall buying something for Laura, and the lady, my wife, and the lady was like, "Oh, you were, you were American," and I was like, "Excuse me, no, American." She's like, "Oh, you speak Portuguese with the accent." 
So the whole thing, the transition, right? Yeah. I, I mean, Americans look at me like, oh, you have an accent. Brazilians now look at me and it's like, so, because yeah. I'm on that transition time. And I think Christians have that accent time where you transition it from the old self to the new self. Nobody wants to give them that. Yeah, right. and, and that transition that you talk about is a biblical word for that, sanctification, right? Yes. Right, sure. as, as we kind of go through that transition of becoming more and more like Christ, mm -hmm. you know, if, if we had a, if I had a visual here, imagine like this graph. A lot of times we think that we become a Christian. It's a straight line to glorification where we're, where we're in our final place with God, where, yeah. but it's really a, it's like a, a up, down, a, and a come down, up, sure. down, yeah. and come down. But the goal is that the points that you're up is higher at the next point, And the points that you're low is still, is a, is a progressive increase in our transition in a sense and that's what Paul is saying, like, imitate Christ. Because the more and more we lean back into that old self, where we're not imitating, where we're doing the things that is, he's called out here, we continue to fall back into that old self. Mm -hmm. And that is, and he, and he tells that, that the wrath of God will, will be upon you. That, that's what he talks about. Well, so, yeah, so let's go to the text here a little bit. He says, therefore be imitators of God. That word imitators has... There's so much being talked about it sometimes, good yeah. and bad in, in many ways. The, the, it does really mean that imitators. Uh, the Greek word for, for that uh, is mimetes. Uh, it's just like to mimic, kind of, in a sense. Um, to imitate, the imitator, follower, to mimic, but in good sense. Uh, mm -hmm. To imitate, follow, follow the example of it. So I think that's what Paul is trying to focus on here, is to, to follow the example of it. But here's the thing on the English. In the English, the word like there, therefore, be, is really to become. It's mm -hmm. a condition. Mm -hmm. May your condition be Christ. That's what Paul is saying here. May your condition be Christ. Right? Because if that's your con con uh, condition, that's why you live. As beloved children, so as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ has loved us. And... Uh, there it goes. We talked about the word walk last week a little bit, you know, yeah. the verb, how important that is. Paul said, put on love as Christ loved us. And then there's this statement that people sometimes don't understand. Gave him up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So these two words that Paul is using, fragrant offering and sacrifice, those two words bring you back to Old Testament practices. Right, where, like, for example, uh, Genesis chapter 8, when the Lord smelled the pleasant aroma, the Lord yeah. said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature that is done. So, here's God, you know, that, that word fragrant, right? And then you go back to fragrant offering, and then you go back to sacrifice, the word sacrifice here. The Greek word that is translated from the Hebrew here is the word that's most used in the Old Testament to talk about sacrifice of animals. So it brings you back to animal being sacrificed for the sins of the people and then God, that the fragrance, the smoke going up as a fragrance to God, mm -hmm. as an offering. And all that means is that someone will sacrifice, an animal will sacrifice and the acts and the sacrifice was acceptable yeah was accepted by god so walk in love as christ loves us and gave himself for us so he, the example of this day the kind of love he gave us was the agape love that he gave himself for us yeah and that's a supreme illustration of what it means to love the cross yes the cross yes. is that yes so that's the kind of of fragrance that is acceptable to god so that kind of love is a sacrificial one 
And that's the only kind of love that goes up to God's nostrils. And he says, yes, I like that. So he's just talking about acceptance. Yeah. And then he on, just the, used that on the flip side of that, the things that we talk about accepted is the mm -hmm. things that he doesn't accept, the things that is not a fragrant offering, sure. which comes down to sexual immorality, impurity, greed, fornication, all these different things that he goes on to list, right? He talks well, about, keep reading, <laughs> let, let there be no, so I to say, but sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you. No filthiness, no foolish talk, no crude joking, you know, um, mm -hmm. those are out of place. Let there be thanksgiving. For many of you, well, many may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance. That's a strong word. Well, so let's, let's stop there for, so let's, let's talk, like the words he said here is very, is very tough. Not even be named among you. Yeah. That's is, called being above reproach, right? Sure, sure. But I mean, uh, is there is there someone in your life that you can like hear the name and you crunch and you're like, oh man, I don't know, like, don't name that person, don't <laughs> even come. Or is there a subject that you don't even want to talk about, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, most of the time we don't, what are some of the things we're, you know, uh, don't want to name in our presence, right? So he's like, must not even be named among you. I think that is like very, very harsh. And then he says, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Yeah, when, when saints are together, we must not act like Gentiles. <laughs> Man, I mean, there are some passages you need to pay attention, right? And that's what I was going to say it again. If you are not going to make a concentrated effort to avoid some of these things here, uh, I think Paul is very clear on the things that pleases God and the pleases that doesn't the things that does not please God. Yeah, and then and then he goes on to kind of talk about like you know he says like let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So mm -hmm. he's like, there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse to say this person deceived me and I act this way. It's a choice that we have. And I think that's one thing I love about Paul is that he's like. There is no excuse here on your side. There, there, there is no... He kills all excuse to compromise. Right? That's what he does. Uh, the truth of Jesus uh, doesn't, doesn't allow you to compromise. It, it just, it's just not there for you to do. Right? So, um, he kills all, all, all compromise. Um, and I think oh, that's what he's doing. Verse 3, 4, and 5. There. It's like there must be... No mm -hmm. compromise whatsoever. It's not Jesus, but plus these things. Uh, there is no Jesus plus this filthiness. Oh, well, but Jesus knows my heart. Well, he knows your heart and he's telling you to knock it off. Oh, Jesus plus uh, COVID being, <laughs> being adult. Well, uh, you know, people don't say like, oh, we don't, we don't we're not idolaters. Oh, really? Uh, what is the thing that we put above Christ every single day in our in our own personal lives, right? It doesn't have to be a statue of a saint like in the Catholic Church or something. That that is part of it, but there is much more than that. There is things that we worship every single day that we know we do. If that is our status, if that is our influence in people's lives, if that is uh how we treat our spouse or your kids putting them above everybody else and even god uh mm -hmm. our jobs a lot of us idolatrize our job what about our banking account i have people treat their hobbies better than they treat christ 
They give more money, more time, more energy to their hobbies. That they invest a lot more in their hobby than they invest on the one who died on the cross for them. You know, to know Christ is to have eternal life. That's what John John tells us. Mm-hmm. How many of us get to know a lot about our hobbies, but do very little effort in knowing who Jesus is by spending time in the Word, by spending time in in prayer, which is being in His presence. As I preached a few weeks ago, like we, a lot of us invest a lot more on those things than in Christ Himself. So there must be an effort on us to be in Christ um, and to let behind some of these things. Yeah, we need to. I mean, He calls them immoral practices. We got to. We don't even share in them. Don't even be part of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, First Peter fifteen sixteen chapter one tells us this, but just as He who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Mm-hmm. Not in some that you do. In all that you do, for it is written, "Be holy." Why? Because I am holy. That that's what it comes down to, right? And uh, I think that's 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 what Paul is really trying to emphasize here. When he talks about be imitators. Uh, what ex- what what are the aspects of God should we imitate? Why should we do it? How can we walk in love? What standards should we try to reach? Why is Jesus the ultimate example? You know, I think. This, these are the questions that, that we ask ourselves as we read this passage, and it comes back to being an imitator of Christ. Yeah. And every every day as you live your life, each day you want to grow closer and closer to what that what that looks like in your life. And then he goes to the second uh, part, part of the passage, where we're picking up on now. Is it, um, it says, it's shameful to even speak of those things that we talked about. Uh, he says, arise, O sleeper. Like, don't continue to sleep. He says... Arise from the dead, mm-hmm. right? You were once dead. This idea of, of light and dark, right? Um, when I think about light, we can't reflect the light unless we are in the light. A lot of us want to feel like we can reflect Christ, but if we're not spending time in Christ, if we're not learning what it means to be like Christ, we can't reflect it. Just like you use the example of someone just investing more time, more money, more energy into a hobby. Hobby in itself is not wrong, right? No, but no, they nothing can't, wrong with the hobby. They can't become... Nothing wrong with your spouse. Nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with those things, job. right? No, yeah. It's when we put those things above God. Those mm-hmm. things have its have its his priority and its purpose, and God has given those to us a purpose. He's equipped us in those things, not so that it overtakes who He is in our lives, not that we make those things a priority over Him. And I think Paul is encouraging and sharing with us what, what we need to do here. Here's the thing, though, that you're saying, and that's so true. But here's the problem. Most of Christians <laughs> falls to the what he, I know we're in seven here, but I need to, we, I just gave me a thought that I think is important to bring it up. Most Christians think the darkness is light and that light is darkness. Most Christians, when Paul says, let no one deceive you with empty words, mm-hmm. most Christians don't understand that the truth of Jesus and the lies of the world are not, they are completely opposite to each other. The, the prevailing narratives in which the world tries to, to, to teach us, to, that tries to, to put in our minds, like we need to reject that. And most people in the church are embracing the deceitfulness of the world, the philosophies of the narratives of the world, the storyline that the world is telling us. So let me give you an example here of a storyline, a narrative that the world uh, gives us that the Christians bought, buy into all the time. Christians believe in a narrative, for example, that there, there are many paths to lead, that leads to God. How many times we have heard that, <laughs> right? In the church, yeah. we're talking about in the church. How, how is it that in the church there are people thinking 
that which the, what the world say that there are more than one path to God is true. That is not true. That's called pluralism. Yeah. What's your people say? Well, that's what is your truth is your truth. That's called relativism. Not well, that's not your yeah. truth and my truth. There's only truth, right? Uh, what's my truth is my truth. You can believe what you want to believe, and I'll believe what I want to believe. Jesus says completely opposite of that. Yeah, he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You don't get to go to God unless you come through me. If you don't learn to renew your mind and the way of your thinking, if you're, going to, if you're not going to crush uh, 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 these ideas that are spinning to us, you start living the lie. Yeah. Start living in the darkness. And so here's, there are Christians calling darkness light. Another thing that the world... Uh, the, not a narrative that the world passed on to us is that God, if God exists, He exists to make you happy. <laughs> if you're a good person, generally that's what's supposed to happen. We are all good person, and God exists. He, if He does, He He He's supposed to 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 make your life happy. God exists to make you happy. There's a term for that. That's called a moralistic therapeutic God. Mm. That's deism. God exists to make me happy and to soothe my bad feelings that I have. That's not in the Bible whatsoever. Can you think about another narrative that people, the deceitful well, things that people well, buy into the church? God's a God of love. Why would he, why would he send everyone to hell? Why would he oh, why would yeah. he do that one, right? Like, that's the most popular one. Like, God, if God is love, how, how can he punish? But, uh, you know... We the the Bible is right here. We read it for ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. it says what the the wrath of God will be upon the sons of disobedience. And and I think that's where this whole conversation, the conversation of morality that Paul is starting in chapter four, is so important for Christians to understand. That's why Christians stands to to some very thick, very important moral principles. We we have to stand for those. In Paul's mind, there's no excuse. There's either light or darkness. If, if there is a God and He is light, He wants His children to resemble that, to live on that. So to start playing around with life, to start playing around with identity, with sexuality, uh, with immorality, you start to get yourself in some tricky things. Like, you know, you know, I know it's, it, it, it's politically charged, some of the things that I'm about to say here, but like, how, uh, you know, Christians and abortion. Mm. You just can't deal with that. You know, that yeah. that's not even that should even be in the mind of a Christian whatsoever. I'm sorry if you're yeah. a Christian and you, and you support that. That's that that's not biblical. That's not in the Bible. You don't play with that. Yeah. Uh, the same thing with uh, oh. I am who, who I am. Whatever I wanted to be today, right? right. So like today you're a male. To to not, in the morning you're a male and night you are a female. And then you change your like. No, wait, wait, like. There is some biblical firmness and a lot of things. There are they are not a, a subjective truths. There are some very objective truths. Yeah. There are some things that is in God's word, and the God's word are, does not give you excuse to dodge those things. You have to stick with it. So Paul is giving some very very harsh words here when it comes to harsh because we don't like to hear. Well, right. that goes back to what you're saying there about it goes back to the, the idea of absolute truth, which you touched upon a few minutes earlier, that I read this article that said 70% of them, 66% of the American public do not believe in absolute truth. Yeah. How is that possible? Right. And I talked about it in the context of youth mm -hmm. and how among the youth, right, or children or youth, 
70% don't believe in absolute truth. So that means we make up what we want to be our truth, going back to what you were talking you about earlier. You just create a narrative and you believe yeah. that. But Isaiah 40 tells us that's not the case. God's mm -hmm. truth endures forever, right? And he gave us his truth. He gave us his truth is eternal. We talked about that. And, and God's word is what we have to stand upon at the end of the day because when it comes upon judgment, he will use this against us. He says, oh, you didn't know? Go see what Paul was talking about over here. Or go look at these verses. And then the Bible is not just a, a book where we can pick and choose the parts that we want. To, and that's what that's what I think we're talking about here. Right? Sure. We read passages like this, and it's it's a convicting passage because, you know, we're all not perfect. We all sometimes are back into that old self. We're in that old tendency, right? You, you wouldn't be Brazilian today, sure. right? Yeah. Tomorrow you're American, right? No, you, you, you can't do that. <laughs> but... Uh, well, but well, yeah, go ahead. but here's the thing. Like we say here, this is this is all the time. We are imperfect people living in perfect life, but we love this and we love other. What sometimes people miss is the fact that I'm not saying what we are not claiming is that we should not pursue uh, Christ to get away from some of the imperfection to be more what Christ wants us to be. Right? I, I, I am not cool to be on that, on that imperfection for the rest of my life. There are things in my life that need to be transformed. There are things in my life that need to be changed. Right? Uh, and the, most of the, the reasons why people come to church or go to church is because they know there's something wrong in their lives that needs to be changed. There's something imperfect in their life that needs to be changed. That's what I'm saying. We, we must be a kind of church that embraces imperfect people's life, who understand that their lives need to be changed. That they are imperfect, that we are all imperfect in many different ways, but yeah. we are all pursuing that transformational aspect that God brings to take us into perfection, sanctification, right? Yeah. We're mm -hmm. on that path. Uh, we just read a book. We talked about bloodstained pews. We need a place where people can bleed, where yes. people can come and bleed and be restored, be redeemed, be patched up, be healed. So that they can no longer bleed. We have a lot of people bleeding that they don't know that they're bleeding. Mm -hmm. it's, and that's when you say, they, when they recognize that they're bleeding, they need a place to go to kind of, to get healed, to find to find the type of healing, the stitches, the, the stitches that Christ gives us. Not yeah. not not physical bleeding I'm talking about. I'm talking more of, a, of a, an, an illustration here. Sure, yeah. Like, we need a place for people to come. That's why we say, you know, we're imperfect people, but each and every day we're striving to be more and more like Christ. We're leaning into that process of sanctification and one day, God will glorify us because, you know, we have been on that path. But we have to be always making that concerted effort, right? We cannot be picking and choosing when we want to imitate Christ yes. and when we don't want to imitate Christ. Or who we want to treat or we not want to treat who is bleeding or not. Like, let's use the analogy, right? Yeah. Someone comes to Delaware Christian Church and they're bleeding. Their guts is all over everyone because they're depressed and anxiety. Yeah. They're bleeding. They have some mental health issues, right? That's messy. Uh, for sure, because they are bleeding in us, but most pe people in the church will say, whoa, 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 go see a psychologist. When you're done, <laughs> come when back. You, when you're done seeing a psychologist, come back. Well, I have said this before, you have heard, many people have heard, psychologists, counselors, does help heal the mind, but only Jesus Christ heals the soul. Yep. Amen. Right? So most of us will only look at that part and say, well, go talk to the counselor. And once you're done, come back. Well, wait, 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 wait. No, we want to be the place where they are cared for both, where they're getting the counselor and the soul is treated by Jesus in this place. Is it messy? Is it dirty? Does they bleed on us? They, maybe they even will, 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 will cause us to us to bleed a little bit too, but we are together on that process of yeah. healing. And that's what we're, we're, we're talking. We want to be that church. 
So we're not going to be looking at your imperfections. What we're going to be doing is like looking in ways to make sure that both of us are being healed from our imperfections because we are walking hand in hand towards the one who can heal not only the body, but most importantly. And and that's part of imitating Christ. That's what Christ did, right? He walked among those who needed help. He needed, he was compassionate. He mm -hmm. was kind. Mm -hmm. He took his time. He didn't rush people along. He healed people. And that's what we're to do. When people come to the church, and that's that's how he does. That's what I'm saying Paul is talking about the church, right? What is the, because not only does the individual have to be spirit-filled, but the church needs to be spirit-filled as well. Yes. Right? As an, as a, as a body, we come together to bring healing to others, to be that light that reflects Christ. And I think that's what Paul is really want to lean here. He says, arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Mm. And then, and then, and, and that's what we want. We want people to recognize that Christ shines on them, no matter how dark they feel, no matter how far in the darkness that they're in, there is always a way to reach the light. Yes. And, and so you jump right into 15 there, <clears throat> verse 15, he says carefully, then... Look at how you walk. Be wise. Uh, why, no, not as. No, so that once again, Paul is want to characterize. They're saying, like, listen, that must be a strict, a, a, a very clear difference between uh, the two ways of living. There, there is, there, there must be uh, two ways of living. I think uh, the, the to being in Christ's new condition has to affect every aspect of our lives. Right? Mm -hmm. It has to affect. From our banking account to uh, everyday actions that we 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 have, I mean, right? Well, I, I think this this section of passage really talks about the features of a of a righteous lifestyle, right? Sure. Like, what what does it mean to be? And and that's what you are. You are you are wise in all things, and everything, not just when it comes to biblical things, but as you're talking about in your work. And how you raise your kids, and how you deal with others, how you spend your money, how you spend your time. Yeah, time yeah. is the biggest one. Yeah, a lot of us are are not wise with our time, and we fill our days with so many things that we don't leave time to to spend time with God, so we can continue to be filled, be be mm -hmm. be, you know, enlightened, be have Christ reveal things about our lives for us because we're too busy, right? Busyness has become our idol in a sense, right? Yeah, like I'm busy, you're busy, right? But we have to. We, we have control over that, mm -hmm. right? A lot of times we feel like we don't, but we do have control over that. Oh, we do. The biggest word people don't like to say is no. <laughs> I <laughs> the, is that what you have a calendar saying? That's right. <laughs> but yeah, so I, I mean, Paul is is really trying to contrast here. There must be a very different kind of lifestyle. Your mm -hmm. budget should be different. Your conversation and speech should be different. Your friendships and dating should be different. Your parenting should be different. Uh, I remember uh, listening uh, listening to a sermon a long time ago, and uh, the pastor was saying like, "Your internet browsing." That's back in the day, right? Internet browsing. How <laughs> many? When was the last time you heard about internet browser? Like you know, we call it Safari or Google now, or Chrome, or whatever. He was like, your internet browsing should be different from the ones from people in the world. Mm. He, he was like, uh, how many of you can I go to your computer and hit control Y, I think he said, and see the history of your of your browser? What, what would I find? Uh, I, I do that, you know, I do that today with like, uh, with phones. Like, can I get your phone? Can, can I, can, is your texting, is what is in your phone, is your apps? Is your photos like what is there? Is it different from the world, right? Most people don't let you touch their phone, right? Uh, what about your YouTube? What is YouTube history? Tell mm -hmm. us about you. 
Yeah. Uh, is it different from what the world would be, or is it very similar to the world? Like, mm. you know, so I think in our, like your Facebook posts or, or, or your Facebook history, like uh, what, is, what is your banking account looking like? Where are you spending your money? Is it like on OnlyFans only or Pornhub <laughs> or, you know, where is it, uh, right? Uh, Paul is saying like, because of your new identity, because you're a light, you must not partake on any of these other things. Don't be unwise. Be wise, making the best use of your time. Because you know that. How much time do we spend a day on our social media? Man, I don't really want to Four to eight hours, I just read. Right? Four to eight hours people spend on their social media. So that means your time is being spent on social media, right? So he's like, make sure, be careful, be careful. Most of us are on our phone, on our computers all the time. So therefore, verse 17, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the, the, Holy, Spirit. the Holy Spirit. Well, And, and that's, what, that's what 18 is kind of, that's what you're reading into there. One of the things that, about the, the foolish uh, as a Christians, we as Christians, we know truth, right? Mm. We know the truth about life, we know the truth about death, and we know the truth about the hereafter. And our lives must be lived in, in light of this, in light of this context. Whereas a foolish person, they're not aware of this and have nothing to guard except for the, the material possessions that they may have. Um, you see, a prudent person who knows the truth seeks the will of God for their lives. And we make the most of our short time here on earth because we know that judgment is coming. And um, so we, not, we need to be careful. We need to be, we need to be concerned about the things that God is concerned about. And we were talking a little bit briefly about um, being filled with the Spirit. You know, when, when you come to Christ, you are indwelt by the Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have dwelt with the Spirit. And he will never leave you, but being filled with the Spirit is much different. And I have a quote here, and, and this is talking about you know, drunk, drunkenness and stuff like that. But a drunk person is under the influence of alcohol, mm -hmm. right? But a person filled by the Spirit... Is on the influence of the spirit. Amen. Now, what influence are you under, right? Not necessarily alcohol. Sure. But what you can put that in anything. Political influence, Polit ideological influence, exactly. Sexuality yeah. influence, hobbies influence, addictions influence. What is influencing you? Yeah, yeah. And, and going back, the Greek verb fulfill is plural. So, and that's mm -hmm. why I talked about it's not just the individual. As a church, we need to be spirit filled. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because once we do that, once we operate like that, is then we make we make a great advancement for the kingdom. Amen. A great advancement that God has called us to. And that what we talked about is a fragrant offering. Mm -hmm. Right? It's acceptable. It's acceptable to God. To God. Yes. That's why he, he he like I mean, you know Proverbs six six sixteen says there are six things that the Lord hates. Seven there are abomination to him. Mm. Right? How the eyes, lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devices wicked plans, uh, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breeds out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. So like, you know, we talk about acceptable and unacceptable. Proverbs 6, uh, 6 verses 16 to 19 tells us of six things that the Lord hates, seven that are abomination. If there are things that God likes, there are things that God dislikes, Paul also lists them in here. We cannot participate on that. Do you want to go to the end of it? Yeah, we start the second section here. It talks about, um, you know, wives and husbands. And, and um, 
Obviously, uh, this is a controversial passage too as well. A lot of people... Uh, uh, it's controversial because people don't like to hear They, they don't like to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's not uh, controversial. It's just that it is, it's not politically correct. Yeah, yeah. It's not up to the 21st century standard, <laughs> standards of things, right? Yeah. It, it, it's not up to how, how our society... Once again, don't be captivated by these philosophies of this world. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13, Paul talks about that. He talks about here, like, don't be deceived by the world and how they think, say things, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah, so the Bible is not 21st century correctedness. And then you got to make a choice. Are you going to yeah. listen to God's word or not? That's up to you. Right? A lot of people look at this and talks about the person, right? Like, as one person is... Is, is not equal to the other is like there's like a value system there isn't because if you look at and what what is what this passage really calling for is to be submissive to be in submission right and and it's not something that god himself hasn't done if you think about the relationship with god the holy spirit and jesus god the father jesus the is equal spirit. he's equal to god all... what what did he do he went in submission to god right yes, yeah. so he demonstrated this and and the way it that, isn't our less than no it's, equation at no, all. It's not. Mm -mm. And um, so a lot of times we misinterpret these passages and these these verses. People read this passage into in light of not only that but also in light of abuse, right? Yeah. Because women has been abused for by men for a long time, so they take that word submission as into giving a. A right to be abused. That's not what this is either. No. Right? If you uh, submission does not mean being abused. That, that has nothing to do with that whatsoever. That's just a, a personal agreement to, with what the person is and called to do. So to submit, there's a responsibility, and to those who are being submitted to, there is a responsibility there too. So uh, it's not a less than, and we read it. Yeah, I mean, a person can still function in a leadership role and have a submissive attitude. Oh, yeah, you all know? the time, and yeah. I, I mean, you know, Jesus is Lord of all, which he's the example, the ultimate example, yet he submitted to the Father's will. He submitted to the weakness and the needs of those he served, and he submitted to the limitations placed upon him by his human nature. You see, this is a mutually submissive attitude for everyone in the church. It does not eliminate leadership responsibility or lines of authority. But this kind of attitude, it you know what it does eliminate? Mm -hmm. Pride. Oh, it does? Yeah. It eliminates pride. It eliminates rivalry. It eliminates the desire and the approval of others, all of which causes dissension and dispute, not only in the family, but in the church, in society, with other people that we deal with, because we feel like we're above the person. The person, yeah. And uh, Christ, you know, the Bible, is, what he says here is like, submit, right? He says, submit, because as Christ was the head of the church, his body, himself, its savior, now as the church submits to Christ, mm -hmm. he says, so also wives submit in everything to their husbands. I want to make a point here. It has to be in, the, in accordance to the will of God. Amen. You know what I'm saying? It goes back to what you're talking about, the example, mm -hmm. in abuse. That is not the will of God. No, whatsoever. So you sh a woman should never submit in that situation. Right? No, man. I mean, I, I, we were just talking about this not too long ago about how, I don't even know if I should talk about this in this way, like how many times we have made a statement like, oh, she wears the pants in the relationship, right? Oh, like, yeah. kind of deal like that. So, like, there are women who wear the pants in the relationship and they are just as abused to the guy yeah. as, as uh, a guy couldn't be abused to his wife. I have seen women abuse guys, dude, manipulate and just it just hold things over a guy's head, mm -hmm. 
play games with guys' minds. I have seen that, and that's destructive just as much as a physical abuse of a guy. So if a guy usually f uh, abuse someone physically with you know punches and which is not the will of God, uh, it goes back to the verses before. Christians should not be part of that or participate in that. Mm -hmm. Women has a power of manipulate guys and abuse guys emotionally uh, with playing games and so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, it's just as evil and just uh, just as damage, uh, damage, uh, damage that lasts forever. Yeah, I want to go back to something you said earlier when we began this section. Talked about this is the Bible is not twenty first century, um, you know, acceptable in a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you know, if you think back, if we just stick to the Bible. The, the generation of the family was to do what? Was to advance the kingdom, yes. right? Mm -hmm. God created Adam and Eve, and he, mm -hmm. told, he said to do what? Be multiply and, fru and be fruitful, be fruitful. right? Yeah. So the advancement of the kingdom, and in that, you know, it is the family, and that's the purpose of it. It, it is um, too many times we think of headship as being playing a dictator and telling everyone what oh, to yeah, do. Oh, yeah, yeah. But from a biblical standpoint, biblical headship means being responsible for a, a governing authority, the husband is responsible for leading his family in the advancement of God's kingdom and the advancement, in the advancement of, of biblical love, compassion, righteousness, sacrificially pursues the well-being of others. So it's not about you being one or you being, you being higher than the other. It's the role that God has created for the advancement of his kingdom, not for you to say, hey, you are in this role. And what has happened is We've tried to take the roles that God has created for us well, and be in that. This passage <clears throat> lays the foundation for the household code. Yeah. Uh, that follows, you know, both in this passage grammatically and conceptually. It is a code that God has created and set there. And and I think you said something that is important on, the, uh, on what you're just saying, like about the leadership and the authority that a male has. On this code that God has created, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, we we think about these terms in lieu of how sin has destroyed authority yeah. and leadership. You know, I, I I say this often, like the last twenty years around the world, leadership has been has done some evil things, right? Parent, dads have abused families at home. Presidents have lied to the people. Bosses have crafted and stabbed you in your back. Um, pastors have break their commitment to you and their commitment to God. You see all these all these leadership roles being diluted, and people no longer trust in leadership anymore. Yeah. So we see all that happen. So therefore, we read this and say, well. The Bible is outdated, outdated yeah, because yeah. of all these sinful things. Like God's like, blah, 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 blah. but leadership was never supposed to be corrupt that way. Uh, it is the husband' responsibility to lead the family into that, into the, into God's kingdom, into what God has for the family, into the model. It is the male has responsibility. I don't know why God did that. Well, we all know why God did that. It's in the Bible. Yeah. But, uh, so we know why God did that. But because of sin, we have trying to say no to God, to His word. If we would say yes to God in every area, we would never have to read these verses and think differently and to say, well, the Bible is not 21st century. Prove. 
Yeah, and you know, in, in verses 31 to 33, Paul points back to creation, right? He quotes mm-hmm. that passage. Yeah. Genesis 2.22 says, you know, to lead their wives and respond. It says the husband will leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two, two will become, become one flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the this is the idea here. This is the husband to sacrifice for his wife, be her deliverer, protector, paying the price for her well-being, out-serving. You know, it's, it is not, we think of this thing as like, it's a submissive, and we 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 we've, we've defined that word as like I'm less of a person because I'm in submission yeah, to you. Yeah. That is not at all what these verses are talking about. It is a mutually thing. It's a mutual thing, right? And and that's why you know a kingdom kingdom family will will look at this and see it as that way, as opposed to seeing what the 21st century has deluded this meaning to be. And yeah. as you talked about, sin has corrupted our mind, our mm-hmm. thinking, mm-hmm. and a lot of these things where we look at the Bible. The Bible is the is the, is the point of reference, right? Not the twenty first century. Yeah. And uh, so, so okay. So <clears throat> it is important that we do not see and interpret the Bible in lieu of the the privacy of our minds. Goes back to chapter four, verse seventeen. It says, "Now these I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding." alienated from the life of God. Sometimes when we read God's word and we try to understand it, we understand with our minds being darkened, darkened mm-hmm. the, mind, the mind of someone who is alienated from God, rather than to see the Bible through the lenses of the Creator and how He, he intended the world to be and our families to be and how our families ought to walk together. And I think you're right. So a kingdom mind family would look this as a model for living rather than a a um a contradiction to what what society is saying right like i said i said at the beginning of this thing we have to be the example for society we have to be the standard and the standard is god's standard not our own not man-made not what has been passed down through time and that's why we have to hold on to what the bible says and not what other people are telling us or influence us, and even what other people are modeling because that is not what we're to lean into we must remember and take note that in our day and age, to be kind, to be loving, to be beyond reproach, to be spiritually minded, to even be submissive, is not exactly ideal in our society for the no, 21st yeah. century. Mm-hmm. But we must be reminded that as Christians, we have, as Christians from the early Christians, have gone against the grain, and it's no different for us today. We in ourselves and our generation, me was we must also be going against the grain and not going with the crowd, mm. because we must lead our families in a different way, a different call, a call that is to be imitators of Christ. And just as how Christ is the head of the church, has died for the church, so too must the family look like. Right? That ultimately, that's what Paul is trying to remind us here. And it's not about the the, the controversy of like who is higher, who is not higher. We are all in submission to God. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah, and I think to end this, you go back to the beginning of this conversation with your identity. Mm-hmm. A family identity is not a worldly way of behaving, is a Christ way of behaving, is a family of God way of behaving. Believers are no longer to be regarded themselves as dark, as darkness, depraved people who don't understand the ways of God. Uh, but as possessors of an entirely new nature, entirely new identity, we are light. How we 
behave as individuals are light, how we behave as a family is light. And the only way you can be light is if you take serious verses 21, 22 to 33, right? You are light. Uh, this new identity is it comes to us because of our union with Christ. And, and, and that tells us that because we are united with the Lord, He is our light. He breathes life into us. Isn't that what we read today? Oh, you sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine His light on you. We are light because Christ shone His light to us. So for Paul, he knows that the crucial connection between how believers think about about themselves and how they behave, behave how they what they think about themselves will mold their behavior. So he's saying your new identity is not a rhetorical thing. It's not a it is not a fiction thing, right? It, it is a reality thing. They, they, it's really who you are. You have become a new person in the core of who you are and in your identity. They now need to actualize, they need to embrace, they need to live it out who they really are in Jesus Christ. Not only as an individual, Paul puts it here as a family yeah. unit too. I mean, in Ephesians we are seeing that God is a creator and he has renewed the world in Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Aristotle even talks about how we view the household as a microorganism of society. Yes. Uh, but God has made humans to be a familial creature. His desire and design from the very beginning was to use the family, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. Paul starts by saying that we're to be subject to one another because leadership has been reworked and has been reworked around the cross, what Christ has done for us. So there's a mutuality that reflects the mutuality that's in heaven, right? It's yeah. a mirrored thing. It's a, it's a mirrored thing. And Paul is teaching here that we're to teach our children to think and behave this way. Fathers, you are responsible for children and vice versa. Um, it's a household of mutual respect and that's the biggest thing that even from a kingdom family that's you have to recognize too as well and and we need to be looking and praying hard for our household because the enemy he's attacking the family and he's distorted the view of what god has has called the family to be the purpose mm -hmm. the family has been mm -hmm. designed for mm -hmm. and we're seeing the effects of that in our world today definitely people have said as goes the family goes the nation is another yeah. people say out there yeah it is true uh, but I'll go even farther. As your heart goes, does goes your family, so does go the nation. I think uh, the farther away men and women are from God, the more uh, depraved we become, the less human we become, the less we see humanity being what God wants for them on earth. Yeah. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this this session. Uh, it's been a good, that was a good sp one. spirited talk, spirited chat. Uh, we hope that you learn and grow. Uh, from this as we ourselves are learning and growing mm -hmm. from this and uh, if you have questions we're open to that feel free to, to drop us a comment on a feedback section on the website uh, next week we'll be um, going over chapter six and then we'll be addressing any questions that we've received to kind of end the podcast that's right as we say be blessed be blessed have a great one everyone